0: Perfect. Well, we, so what I'll try and do is just go through each of the rooms um, and uh, we'll kind of look for who the speaker is. And then um, as, as they are talking about certain scenarios, themes, things that they talked about as a group, I'd love um, for everybody in the group to be able to raise their hand, come off a mute, you know, uh, kind of pile onto something they're talking about or ask questions or, you know, give some feedback. Um, There is a raise hand feature, participant window, bottom right-hand corner. Um, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Those networking sessions, I always ask, and hopefully the, you guys can give me a thumbs up. But if you met at least one new person today, give me like a thumbs up. That would be nice to see. Cool. All right. That's always my goal. If you meet one new person, then we're doing, we're doing, the, doing it right. Um, awesome. So room one was Adam, Jody, Julie, Carm, Tom, anybody... Uh, from that group when I come off. and just just going room by room. Um, anybody want to come off mute maybe and talk about some of the themes that you guys heard in your room? Uh, maybe some of the scenarios, customer kind of scenarios that you all had. Um, anybody want to be be brave enough to come off mute and talk about those? Awesome. Julie, let's go for it.
1: I'll volunteer because we had a few people drop out. <laughs> so, so I don't know how many of us are left. Um, but yeah, we had Tom, Stacy, carl um, Adam, and Jody. And I think Jody and Stacy had to drop off. Um, So we just had a few discussions um, and it's a shame that Jody had to drop off because she's got some really interesting challenges um, with her customers at the moment. She works for a small startup and they've had some salespeople leave. So a lot of the CS people and the salespeople have been kind of um, sharing the wearing of hats, which for them has really given some insights into the, you know, the kind of the invisible lines between uh, sales and CS and how um, CS can help Sales understand how to develop those relationships a little bit more and, and listen to cues on uh, client preferences and kind of start developing uh, from even pre-contract signing kind of through and then take, take the, the reins, I suppose. So that was one of the things we discussed. And then one of the other things um, was just talking about customer churn and how it can be prevented and some tips and tricks for that which is of course always an ongoing discussion (laughs) yeah
0: is there any any uh any one tip or anything you guys talked about in terms of customer churn that stood out um to you
1: um we didn't really get to solutions we were just having some gripes about it (laughs) but i guess that goes back to just more um maintaining those relationships and then really listening uh for what's going to drive the value and and drive their roi and make sure that they're aware of it and we're all so that we can continue to communicate correctly, those things that are going to help them help their business in the end.
0: Yeah, there's there's two things that I picked up, uh, or maybe two scenarios that I have go, or one scenario and then one thing I picked up. So one scenario that I'm having right now is um, we have a champion of ours who is moving companies, uh, and this person's been an advocate. They speak on our behalf. They are in webinars. They're going to conferences. Like they are one of the quintessential examples of like what we're doing. So um, we're now, you know. One hoping he go, you know, he or she goes to this next role and uh, brings us with them, which is, you know, one thing that we're trying to. But then also now we're trying to figure out like who are the right relationships, you know, at that company that we can make sure and backfill so that we don't have uh, kind of a loss of relationship, especially because they've been such a shining example of of what they can do. So that's one scenario that kind of goes along that churn route a little bit because we're, you know, trying to make sure we can get ahead of anything like that. Uh, the second thing that uh, I just read in an article this week um, in like a digest that I read, they had a question, which I thought was really interesting around, um, when you first get to start, you know, meeting and building a relationship, one of the questions that this person likes to ask was, um, describe the best, uh, the best relationship you've ever had with a vendor. And so you ask, you know, the customer this, and, um, one of the reasons that they like to ask this question is it kind of gets them out of the here and now, but you start hearing tendencies about what they like. So, you know, is communication really important to them? Is Uh, best practices. And then you can kind of use that going forward uh, to help build some of the relationships. So uh, that's kind of one question that I heard and I did a bad job paraphrasing. I'm actually going to go try and figure out uh, what it was, but does anybody else have any examples of like, to Julie's point, you know, questions that you're asking ways that you're just continuing to solidify relationships, um, you know, tactics or tools that you're using there. That would be um, a good tip to throw out while I'm also looking for my other one. Um, so here's the question says, who is the best company? Actually, I, I butchered this. Who is the best company you've ever worked with and why? Actually, I guess it's not butchered, but um, they will typically run through a long, overly detailed story describing exactly what the value what they value most in a partner and why. Uh, keep notes of this or record it on your conversational intelligence tool and refer back to it before every big meeting to remind yourself what is important to that person. Uh, so I just thought that was a good nugget I'm trying to, to pick up and use. Um, uh, Anastasia, it looks like you have your hand raised. Do you have any, you know, questions or tips or things you like to think about as you try and develop some of those relationships?
2: Sure. I think it's important to have those conversations initially with a customer and figure out what their expectations are. What do they expect out of the software? What the problem they're trying to solve and what they're trying to achieve as a long-term goal. And a lot of times, uh, some of the folks that you're talking to are not part of the decision making. And a lot of time, decision makers don't know what's going on in the operation side of things. So it's kind of important to bridge that gap between the two and really understand what the pain points you're trying to solve.
0: Yeah. Um, I think the, the point about the, who, who you're talking to, I think is something that, um, I continue to notice, uh, more and more, right. That there's different levels, hierarchies, um, jobs, roles at companies. And, uh, depending on who you talk to, there's going to be very, they should be very similar goals at the end of the day, but at the same time, like they all have different OKRs or different ways that they're going to go about it. Um, different ways that they're going to achieve that depending on where they are. Um, so understanding that another example that we're trying to leverage right now too, is just getting introduced to the right person. So using your um, you know, day-to-day contact to get introduced to the next layer up. And so asking questions that help you do that, um, I think is also something to, to think about as well. Um, uh, Adam, looks like you have your hand raised. What's yeah. I kind of
3: wanted to, uh, um, talk about, you know, you, you mentioned asking like what's going well, I kind of take the how to pick a restaurant approach where you like, you never really ever offer up the restaurant you want to go. You offer up bad so that way you can actually get what you want. So like, that's actually kind of how I talk to my clients. Like, Hey, I don't necessarily know what is going well with other, with other vendors. Like what has gone poorly, you know, like what is, what was the emotional reason? Like you're making a, making a move, you know, like, is there something that you could not solve for? Right. So asking more no base questions, you know, I mean, I think that's a theme that uh, Chris boss does. Right. And never split and never split the difference. Right. So like that's kind of been a focus of mine too, is like asking more no base answers or no base questions, because that actually gives me a lot more insight and to pilot and to, positively smart answers
0: yeah i love that it's a great example um i like that book too it's a good um never split the difference is sitting on my theater over here yep it is actually um it's in my it's right there you can't see it because of my background but um (laughs) awesome well julie thank you for sharing from kind of group one uh group two ashley ashley burtel john kelly courtney or stewart anybody want to come off the mute maybe and talk about some of the customer experiences you've had recently some of the things yes
4: Happy to jump in. Um, if you don't mind, uh, Courtney, answered, I'm just going to say again, congratulations on this new gig that you land this week. So this is really exciting. Is that um, Courtney?
5: Thank you. <laughs> um,
4: so we have summarized four points that I really interest. I find very interesting. The first one that has been brought by Ashley was um, essentially how do you balance value versus budget during uh, through challenging time? Uh, Ashley is working on a new uh, account, uh, an existing account, um, they're on their way out. Uh, she did a phenomenal job just bringing more value, but the renewal is due in two months. So one needs to be done to actually secure this, at least a flat renewal, secure the business. Um, then we have Kelly um, mentioned about uh, her client is going through a whole reset in terms of their segmentation. And it's not too much about how to segment the client, but how to handle clients with low value um, in terms of investment, brands and awareness, who are used to this white glove treatment. How do you essentially move this client from white uh, glove treatment to a tech tech touch? The third one is uh, white gloves versus versus tech touch, how to balance things out. And the last one is, which I find very interesting, is how to handle handover. Um, I'm sure we have all horrible experience, a great experience as well. But often on if you don't have this red carpet waiting for you, you end up uh, um, unlocking a few challenges. So how to handle that?
0: Awesome. Yeah, I love um I would love to maybe focus on on one of those, which was the idea around how do you um help kind of transition customers or think about, you know, if you're if you're taking a customer from one level of service and kind of moving them to another, um has anyone had to go? Excuse me. Uh, Has anyone had to go through any any discussions like that? Anything that you've kind of learned or picked up throughout those discussions of, you know, how to to position and think about, um, you know, you're moving from one level of service to another, whether it's up or down. You know, how do you position it or or what are some of the challenges that you've kind of overcome? Uh, Awesome. Kelly, it looks like you have your hand raised. So
5: this was this is a a client of mine that I'm working with now. Um, They're trying to move some of their customers as they scale up. Um, they've historically been white glove only. So uh, as they grow their organization, they are growing um, into like more of a tiered model. Uh, So they've done a fantastic job from what I can see of building out the documentation. They have videos, they have FAQ documents, they have um, a lot of different um, self-service type um, informational pieces for their customers that are going to be in this tech tech touch model. They actually built those out first before they started re-tiering the customers and they have done with them that I've seen um, training sessions with each customer so here's what we're doing here's what you' you know here's what you have here's what we're doing here's how you no longer have their positioning as here's how you no longer have to wait to get in touch with one of us you can do you know you can go here these are all the brand new resources we've prepared for you um, and as I can as far as I can tell a majority of their customers have, um, adapted to that. The ones that are going to be moved into this tech touch tier, they've adapted to it just fine. Their new customers are doing great because that's how they've been presented into the organization. Um, they do have a few customers though that are, are just resistant. They want somebody to talk to every time because that's what they're used to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such an uh, interesting challenge. We're about to go through this as well at Higher Logic, um, where we're kind of resegmenting our customers. We're going to be introducing uh, more of a, a peer-driven model. So, you know, you've got on the lower tier, lower tiers, you've got more of like community, knowledge base, uh, education, and, and learning throughout your customer journeys. So there's a lot of things that we're trying to introduce. Um, but I like the, the way you put that about, you know, not having to wait. Uh, the other thing I think about also is that kind of reaffirming that we're going to be there for uh, kind of proactive in you know, uh, the proactive outreaches to make sure that they're leveraging best practices when we release new things, right? There's still going to be uh, a level of service there. I think that's mainly right. what we've seen as um, uh, what we've seen as a um, kind of deterrent there. Um, so it's something that we're trying to get ahead of as well. Uh, so I appreciate that, Kelly.
5: Correct. And they've done uh, it as a training to their customers. So everybody that already has that white glove, this is their training of their new, they're, they're presenting it as new benefits versus a reduction in service.
0: Awesome, uh, Matt. Looks like you've got your hand raised. What are some of your thoughts here?
2: Uh, exactly to your point, Jeff, and uh, exactly to what you were just mentioning, Kelly. Actually, exactly what you said in terms of uh, you know reinforcing the fact that they don't have to wait. I've used that exact phrase uh, to many people, especially when posing it to them as you typically need to wait in order to get a hold of someone from your service provider uh, to guide the way, or you need to wait for a meeting to come about. What if you had the ability to create that thought on your own? And I think that that's the grand way to convince anybody of anything. So giving them the tools in order to do so. I mean, us as service providers, I think that's what we're all here to do. Um, That's why we're all here uh, is to enable them to do so. Um, But beyond that, just to show them that there are many other untapped resources and I think that all of us as CSMs are there to show them that, hey, you know, especially in the group that i are just in, we discuss, we have a different speaker, so I'll let them talk about that. Uh, but you know, discussing that there are uh, opportunities to show our accounts that there are things that you haven't touched yet. Go find them out, go learn about them. And especially in your case, Jeff, you know, at HireLogic where you have people already working within a community, you're enabling them to do that on their own even though HireLogic has a number of community managers already enabling people to do so, now other people get to learn about that on their own. And, and I think that's a great thing to show people the resources at those, disposal well, so essentially what they're paying for.
0: Yeah, we, we uh, I guess one of the reasons why we're moving in that direction too, we went and talked with uh, close to 100 customers in our first 30 days here. And uh, number one thing we kept hearing from our customers is that they actually enjoyed learning more from one another, um, understanding, you know, how they were using the tool, the challenges they were going through. And so how can we essentially just get out of the way and start making that happen more regularly is, is really the way I think I'm trying to look at it from a customer experience angle, um, to your point, Matt. So awesome. Uh, room three, Anastasia, Andrew, Haley, Heather, Jessica, and, uh, Kevin, who, anyway, want to come off mute maybe and talk about some of the yeah. themes or things you guys. Awesome. Andrew, you know Andrew? um, yep. Yeah, we, um, two of our individuals,
6: um, kind of talked touched on like NPS topics. Um, we had another two who were a little bit more in um, job seeking, so it was a little bit more just on some of their interactions and building off of interviews and some of that, and us kind of just providing some insight there. Um, and then a couple others just focused in maybe around some of cancellations and retention, but as the conversation kind of re came around, we focused more on some of the MPS topics and just what we do with them in terms of how we help customers or more importantly, how we can bring those to management to make changes. And uh, Kevin really um, was asked some questions just about, you know, what do you do with the feedback? Um, Can you really run with it? Um, And can you make changes with it? And he kind of laughed and said, you know, it it is a pipe dream in some situations. You can't just create immediate, immediate changes in circumstances, but um, it was, In his situation leading to they need to rebring in a customer success tool, whether it be like a gain site or I think churn zero was mentioned. And so it was just um, from there, we talked about how useful those things can be and how if individuals are stretched, then it puts a lot more uh, of a focus and um, a lot more tools at your fingertips that can allow you to just manage, you know, your accounts and, and what you can do from there.
0: Yeah, I think um, this is something that uh, we're going through as well around MPS. We're, we're starting to roll out. Uh, how do we increase our response rates? Because our response rates are really low. Uh, but I think the the one thing that we, we've we learned, especially over our consulting days of the last three years is, um, you know, it's more about the response than the actual kind of number itself that you get, right? Uh, and actually the non-responders are probably the biggest indicator of, um, of, you know, something that's lying in wait. So I'm curious if anybody has any examples of, um, you know, following up on NPS, do you have any processes now positive or negative on, on how you kind of follow up on NPS surveys or any other surveys that you have with your customers, you know, as an interaction point, anything, anything come to mind for anybody to be able to share, uh, or even just non-responders, is there, you know, a method that you guys are all using to, to try and figure out how to get in touch with some of those non-responders to actually, you know, have them take the, the 15 second NPS survey, uh, that, you know, we're asking of them. Awesome. Megan, what are some of your thoughts here?
7: We're just implementing something to actually starting um, January 1st. So I don't know, you know, how well it's going to work. But um, we have all of the promoters that go to our marketing team, and they are reaching out to that, them for testimonials and case studies. Um, and then we also recently just started using Turn Zero as well. So we've created um, what we call plays in Turn Zero that creates um, or sends off an automatic email to the um, passive and the detractors. And those emails then um, have a Calendly link in them. And Um, allows that person then to schedule time with um, me or someone else on the team to really talk more in depth about um, their experience with us.
0: Awesome. Is there anything that you all do with like the actual, do you guys have like an open-ended and like an open-ended response where they can actually type out notes? Like, do you go through and read that? Do you try and kind of look at some core themes there? And then how do you report that back in the organization?
7: Mm -hmm. So we take all of that and we import that into our Slack channel so everyone in the organization can see um, all of the scores and all of the comments um, and then if it is you know onboarding related um, someone from our team on the onboarding team typically will grab it otherwise it gets assigned out um, if it's specific to a person or that person's onboarding specialist um, they see it's their client that is reporting it they will reach out so that's kind of the method that we have going on right now of course it'll have to be revised once we actually see it in action but um, yeah. That's what we're trying.
0: Cool. Um, um, yes, I have no, yeah.
7: um, just
5: one more to share about NPS. So for us, it was very new. Um, just launched it. So you could imagine like the overwhelming response from clients who are waiting to give us good feedback and also from clients who just want to tell us everything that they want to tell us, right? Um, our initial focus was more on the promoters, and we were reaching out for saying thank yous. While that is important, we decided that for detractors, we wanted to have um, a heel desk type of process. We're putting that together in place to start with, we're starting with escalations um, where the ELT team gets notified of any detractors whose score is, you know, sits at low uh, with comments that tells us, yes, you need to look into it. Yes, there is action for us to take. Um, We're starting with that process and going into 2021, I, for our company, I would like to expand just the escalation process into more of a heel desk. Um, So working towards that.
0: Awesome, thank you for sharing that, um, Ramya. Uh, Jessica, what are some of your thoughts here?
7: Yeah, so with our both our training satisfaction and our NPS, we have it set up so that you get, once they qualify, like they've had the training or it meets the deadline, they get an email, if they don't respond to the email, you wait three days, they're going to get an in-app pop-up. If they don't respond to the pop-up, they're going to get another email and then we stop. So that's how we're sort of attacking passives as we make sure we give them at least three chances to fill it out. Um, they can get to that survey for longer, but not quite, not the whole, not years, but for a little longer if they want to follow it out later. And then we do ask, we ask one question and a follow-up sort of like, why did you say this basically? And um, those get shared with the entire CS team and then we would escalate or share as
0: appropriate. Awesome. Um, Kevin, let's hit on you and then we'll move on to the next group here.
8: So uh, one of the things that's been uh, effective uh, with us when it comes to uh, getting uh, responses is that we've I've uh, been utilizing our, our managers or our directors uh, as kind of like a third party person to introduce the uh, the survey to the, the customer. Uh, then we pre- kind of present to them that uh, we're using this um, for customer success to also see if there needs to be a kind of a reshuffling when it comes to what CSMs are assigned to uh, which account. So it gives them an opportunity to provide uh, constructive uh, feedback uh, for their CSM. Uh, and we've had a, a really great uh, response. Um, in fact, I've only missed one uh, NPS uh, response uh, for, for my customers personally. Uh, the downside to it is that it, it, if there, if you do have anybody that's motivated to either keep you or to get rid of you, it, it does kind of uh, make their uh, sentiments a little bit more extreme than they actually, uh, than the actual true sentiment is. Uh, so if they're like, oh, we, we really need to get rid of Kevin, then they'll they'll say, uh, yeah, he's terrible, he never shows up, uh, um, and, and it may not be the truth. Or if they're like, oh, we really want, like Kevin and we're working on something, he may not be the best CSM, uh, but we're going to speak uh, to him like he's uh, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, it, it can kind of skewer the the answers a bit, but it does improve um, the response rate, and then it you still do kind of get the underlying sentiment, um, just a little bit more extreme uh, left or right there.
0: Yeah, I like that example of just uh, trying to make sure who can introduce the survey and like, how can you get more uh, people involved, uh, so to speak, make sure you feel like you've got the right buy-in. Uh, Ramya just also put in here too that they have follow-up questions. I liked the way she worded this, but uh, what's the primary reason behind the score? And then what can we do to get you to a 10? Um, I don't know if you all have looked I don't know if you all were part of my onboarding sequence at Gangboro Retain, but I send an email that says, I'd love your feedback. And the question I asked there is very simply, like, what can I do to keep you here for years? Um, it's kind of similar to, I think, Ramya's question there, like, what can we do to get you to attend? So um, positioning it like that, I think, is also really helpful. So uh, I like that example. Uh, all right, room four, we've got about nine minutes. So we'll try and hit these quick. But room four, uh, Alex, Connor, Matt, Megan, or Patricia, anybody want to come off mute and um, talk about some of the things, themes that you guys all heard about some of the customer interactions you've had recently?
7: Yeah, we talked about the importance of um, knowing the value of the service that you provide and really knowing um, what is important to the, cus- or to the customer as well. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about, one of the stories was, you know, onboarding wasn't going as well as planned and we, they kept thinking that it was sinking, um, but they realized that the value to the, the customer was really the savings and the solutions aspect. Um, and so they were really um, hitting the mark there. And so the client and the, the champion was happy. Um, because the value that they wanted was met. Um, and then also we talked about um, with a growing company, as you add new features, um, how do you best educate your customers to um, adopt those new features as they come out? Um, and we talked a little bit more about Turn Zero and how, you know, to get the data points to best communicate with your clients.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that is. Um... I think something that we've we've heard more and more, especially from other community members, I think there's a couple of good threads out there right now, just around like um, kind of time to first value or time to value when you release, you know, something new to a customer. Um, How do you make sure your teams internally are enabled to do that? But then also like, what are you, how are you enabling the customer? Is it, you know, through kind of one-on-one training, do you have an in-app tool like Pendo or WalkMe that's helping, you know, how do you kind of facilitate and look at some of those things? So I think that's certainly becoming uh, a bigger part of what we're hearing. Awesome, I think we've got room five, which is Karen, Christian, Nathan, Paul, and Ramya. Anybody wanna come off mute maybe and just talk about some of the things you heard? And Nathan, I'm hoping it's you.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah, so my team, it was was awesome. It was great to meet all of you guys. I think it was first time for most of us to meet, so uh, it was fantastic. Now, one of the things that we kind of identified um, through all the stories that we shared was um, how to deal and how to grapple with kind of knowledge gaps that cause dissatisfaction with customers whether that's NPS, you know, response of your system doesn't do X, Y, Z, it actually does. Um, or if they're just like, hey, I need support and I'm not getting it. Um, and it's like, well, you're calling on the weekends or support isn't in the weekends. Um, so it was just really fascinating, which I know we've already talked to a little bit about NPS and like how that can be helpful, but um, kind of those knowledge caps of how do we really do a good job of showing those up? And to my team and to the people that I met on uh, success, it seems like they all had good plays in, in, in progress to make sure that they were able to assist. Um, those people. And then the other piece was really focusing kind of on how do you make sure that you're getting to the decision maker tier and, and really build those relationships between that trusted advisor so that you get that feedback loop back in um, because sometimes you'll start with you know one person who's your daily contact and you've got a great rapport with them, but then the decision maker decides to go with some other company and it's like well, how, how could I have prevented that? So um, those are the two big areas that we're kind of looking at and, and thinking. And thinking. Uh, is
0: there any takeaways that you had, Nathan, just from the Actually, maybe one from each, like what's one of the things uh, that you heard from getting to the next layer of like the executive sponsor? Like, is there any ways that you guys all talked about, you know, doing that or facilitating that type of uh, kind of play?
3: Yeah, on the executives, we didn't actually dive into uh, in, in too deeply into how to get to the next tier. Um, for the kind of knowledge gap stuff, um, one of the things that I think came out from the team was uh, really making sure that you get to the bottom of actually what's causing the problem, right? Like if you just say, oh, I'm unsatisfied. Like, all right, that's great. But like making sure that you actually figure out like what is causing the pain. And then once you identify that, really being able to take care of it, right? Saying, hey, our support's not in the weekends, but if you send us a note immediately, like we'll take care of it first thing on Monday. Like that's really important. So you can kind of make sure that you dive to the very deep level of what's causing the pain and identify that correctly. And don't just slap a bandaid on and move past it. Like, oh yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Here it is. Let's go. Um, But really getting deeper into the, hey, what is really going on here? And then saying all right let's let's solve for that i getting positive results out of those conversations then because you're bringing value as a customer success manager
0: yeah kind of getting down to the five whys and uh trying to make sure you're you're getting down to the root cause um awesome well i appreciate your uh, christmas village you have back there as well um and uh on your yeah on your uh, lovely lovely display behind you um awesome well it sounds like there's some great discussions in these groups. Um, And one of the things that we're gonna try and do is hopefully go back and start taking some of these things as we look into January and start uh, maybe having some of these as as dedicated topics. I think there's a lot of good things just around onboarding kind of time to value or uh, training education, there's NPS in there. Uh, So I think there's a lot of just kind of subtopics we can pull out for some sessions in January and start getting start getting that kind of picked out early hey guys thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the gain grow retain podcast if you liked what you heard please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe we really appreciate it talk to you soon